As we start out this year, we're starting with a new series. If you're up on Facebook, I gave you a little, little bit on that. But we're going to take a look at something that as I looked over all the notes that we have on these things, we uh, I noticed it's been about just over nine years since we've been on this particular topic. Maybe make mention of it here and there, but that's a long time to go on a topic that has a pretty good amount of importance. So we're going to turn it over to start off here in Proverbs chapter 20. And verse 6, now you've been around the last number of services, I've made hints about this particular series coming up, this particular topic, and um, I don't know if I actually announced it, I know I gave hints about what was coming up, but in Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it reads this way, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man. I think this is what I had given as a hint before. If you were to ask most people, are you faithful? Almost 100% of people in the body of Christ will say, yes. But if you look at this particular verse here, this, this particular verse actually says this, most people see themselves as good or as faithful, or as loyal. Most people see themselves as good, as faithful, or as loyal. But who can find a faithful man? What God is saying is, faithfulness is a whole lot rarer than what people think it is. In God's eyes. So if God's eyes, faithfulness is not as common as we think it is, then our view of faithfulness has got to be different from God's. Wouldn't you say that? Well, it's important that we get in line with what God's view of faithfulness is and not mine. Because if I'm faithful for what I know, then I'm faithful unto myself and I'll say, I'll proclaim my own goodness. But God's saying, who can find a faithful man? Now, this didn't come from me. I heard this, as I told you, we were, my wife and I, we were listening to a, a particular teaching. It wasn't on, on faithfulness, but it's just uh, something that they mentioned on this particular topic that most Christians, I actually had this in your outline and I, I for some reason pulled it out, but um, there's room in there for you to write this. Most Christians confuse faithfulness with diligence. That didn't come from me. I liked it. wrote it down. I said, yeah, that's true. Most Christians confuse faithfulness with diligence. I see myself as diligent. And a diligent person is one who's working hard, putting all their effort into it, is at it all the time, but that's not necessarily a faithful person. Now, I can be diligent, diligent with a calling and mix in my own will and desire. But I cannot be faithful and do the same. Let me say that to you again. I can be diligent with a calling and mix in my own will and desire. But I cannot be faithful and do the same. You can't do it. I made this note too. I can be diligent without being faithful. But I cannot be faithful without also being diligent. Just because you are diligent does not mean that you're faithful. Now we're going to take a look at a particular story 
in which the main emphasis is faithfulness. So turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20 or look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went out on a journey. Now let's, let's look at the language that he uses here. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. Whose servants are they? They are his. And delivered his goods to them. Whose goods are they? They are his. They are his servants and they are his own goods. And to one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. What is it that caused him to give one five? Why did he get, why do you single out one guy of the three and gave him five? Why does it say that? There's a reason. Because of his ability. He did not give him five because of his faithfulness. He gave him five because of his ability. Why did he give the one guy two? Because of his ability. Not because of his faithfulness. Why did he give the last guy one? You got to keep this in mind here. This is important. He gave him one because... Of his ability, not because of his faithfulness or lack of. Because sometimes we begin to think that, that the one guy was only given one because I know you're not going to be very diligent, very, very faithful with it. But that's not what the story says. Jesus said he gave each one according to their ability. So what we know is that the master knows the ability of his servants. So just just put right this in there. God knows my ability. <laughs> God knows it. He knows what I am able to do. And He has given me His goods according to the ability He knows I have. He did not give me goods based on my potential faithfulness. He gave me goods based on my ability. The ability I already have, the faithfulness I have not demonstrated yet. But what I have received is based on ability. Because the master knows his servants. Again, in the story, they are his own servants. It is his goods. He gave to each one. He gave to one, or to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. He gave them. If he gave them Whose are they now? They've received them. If you've received it, now it's yours. Now there's still in the story there seems to be this this part that he's going they're going to be bringing it back, but for right now this is mine to do with according to the ability that I have. So I have goods from the master and abilities to make those goods become fruitful. 
Understand this, no matter what God has given you, you have the ability to cause those goods to become fruitful. That's an ability that you have. It's already there. I don't have to ask God for it. Oh God, please make me able. Oh God, give me this. I already have it. And God has given each one gifts or goods according to your ability. Since He made us, He knows those abilities pretty good. So to each according to His own ability, and He immediately, He went on a journey. Let's go on to verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Now, according to Williams, in his translation of this, and he gets into some of the Greek verbs really, really well. It says that at once went out. So as soon as they received it, then he who had received five talents went and traded. At once, the one who received five talents went out. So he got five talents... And immediately he goes out and begins to trade with it. Now I have this note on it, on the word trade there, that it denotes more than a single investment. He didn't just take that and invest it in something and sit there and wait for something to happen. He was continually working on it. It involves multiple trades. Multiple things that he, he did. Now of course they didn't have a stock market. We think trades, we think stock market. But that's not what they had back then. You know, you, you're, you're buying this particular thing and then you're taking that uh, at a certain value and then trading on something else that you believe will increase in value. And then trading that on something else that you believe will increase in value again. And as you keep increasing the value, you can go out there and trade it for something different. And you keep making these trades until what was five talents became ten. And likewise, he had, he who had received two, gained two more also. Now, it doesn't say that he immediately went out, but since the first one immediately went out, we have to assume that the second one did too. At least I would assume that. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, I put put this note in your outline for you, that there were steps along the way to these guys going from five to ten and from going from two to four. Some of those steps could have been backward steps as well as forward steps. So just because you went out there and made trades doesn't mean that each one increased in value. There may have been some trades that they lost value on. But they continued to make trades and continued to make trades. And though the value may have gone up and down and up and down, by the time it ended, we know that they had twice as many as they were given. Five went to ten, two went to four. Now they went and traded... And what does trading involve? Well, you gotta research. You gotta do some research. You gotta find out what do we expect to increase? What do we expect to be able to buy low now and sell high later? That's what you wanna figure out what to do. So there's some research that's involved. There's some risk that's involved. You gotta put what you have at risk in order to gain more. So there is risk. And then the third one is the reward. There is research, there is risk, and there is reward. Whatever it is we do for, for God, we got to be out there and do some research on it. Figure out, how can I do this to the best of my abilities? Whatever it is that you do for God, you find out, how can I do this to the best of my abilities? I don't just sit there on it. 
I, I get out there and I, I figure out what I can do. People on the worship team, they don't just decide I have a voice. We, we work at, I have a voice. I have an instrument. We work at being able to, to expand that. Maybe expand our range. Maybe expand the things that we're able to play. Uh, whatever it is that we have, we're looking to expand it. We're looking to grow it. We're looking to, uh, to get out there and do some do some study. I heard a, uh, some people say, I don't really know how to read music real well, so I'm going to work on that. I'm going to learn how to read music. And so they, they go out and they do that. Different things they, they, they put in there because what are we doing? We have a talent. We have a gift. And we're going to take that and, and, and apply it. And we're going to get out there and to, and to use that. And so whatever it is that we do for God, this is what we're, we're out here to do. I'm going to do some research on it. There's going to be some times I take some risks. You know, whatever it is that you do for God, there's going to be times you step out there and you take some risks. God says, speak a word of encouragement to this person over here. Well, I'm taking a risk going over there. But you go over there and you do that. There's, there's some risk that's involved with it. But glory to God, there's reward at the end. And so it's not just one big trade we're looking for. We're looking to make multiple trades and to increase what we have to make it even more valuable. Now, one thing that it does not involve, if you're going to trade and, and grow things, one thing or three things it does not involve, being lax, being lazy, and being lethargic. You can't be doing that. If you are going to get involved and make this gift, make this talent, Make whatever it is that God has given you, make it to become something. You gotta get, you gotta get yourself with some effort. I put this in there. You must be alert, attentive, and active. That's what you, you gotta make sure. I am alert. I am watching what is going on. I'm alert on this thing. I'm attentive. This is an area of, of gifting that God has given me. And I am active. I don't just sit back there. And, and do that. We use the example of the worship team, but you know, the worship team, uh, they, they are something else. Every Thursday night they come out here and give a couple of hours of their night so that they can be here and make things, make things go for, for Sunday. Then they get here, usually they're the first ones that are here on a, on a Sunday morning. And they, they get here and they uh, get themselves all ready, get themselves in the prayer room. They've even been getting themselves ready before they even get here. Whatever it might be that you, that you do. Just using them example, you can use other people's uh, others as examples as well. But you're active with it. Now I put this in your outline for you. You don't have to fill this in at all. Is the one who buried his talent in the ground mindful of its use? No, he's not alert. He's not attentive, and he's not active about that thing. If anything, you're going to describe him as lax, lazy, and lethargic. The one who buried his talent in the ground is he attentive to its development? Nope. Is he concerned for its well-being? No. If you're going to take your talent and bury it in the ground, you are not mindful of its use, you are not attentive to its development, and you are not concerned for its well-being. You just buried it in the ground. If you have something that you don't care a whole lot about, but you just want to keep it safe, you bury it in the ground. This man never really took, took ownership of the talent. Because when he gets to the end, he's going to say, here, you have what is yours. He never saw it as his. 
Now, just because God has given you talents, and we think talents, you know, they were thinking more of a, a measure of money. We think of it more as ability or um, uh, giftings and things like that. But it's something that God has given you that he considered to be his, but he gave it to you to do something with. So that can be all sorts of stuff. So don't just hear money or or um, talents. Don't just Don't just hear that. But whatever it is that God has given you, your role is to make sure that it increases. This one, he never never took ownership of it. You see, the ones that are attentive, the ones who take ownership of what God has given them, they want to see their talents increase. They want to grow it. Now, you don't have to write these down. I gave you these already. If I am going to be found faithful... Here's some things I need to be doing. First off, I need to receive what is in others. But I need to receive it. But I understand that it's somebody else's. It's the master's. He gave it to me, but I need to receive it. Because until I take ownership of that thing, I can't do anything with it. So I need to receive what is in others. We've talked about this before, but a steward is one who has oversight of something that is not his. That's a steward. You are not a steward of your money. How many have ever heard that phrase? You need to be a good steward of the money God's given you. That's wrong. You are not a steward of your money. You are the owner. That is the, you are the owner. If you, um, I don't know what I was doing. I was making notes on something. I've, I just suddenly remembered, remembered this. But, um, you have, if you take a look at your income, you have 100%. What is God's portion? 10%. He has, a, he has a tithe. And of course, some people want to say that's Old Testament and so forth. And we're not going to get into, into that kind of a debate. But when you have, you take 100% of your money, that first 10%, you demonstrate your faithfulness in that 10%. What do I do with what is in others? The rest of the 90% has been declared to be yours. What I do with the rest of the 90% demonstrates my generosity. You are not generous with the 10%. You are faithful. You are generous with what you do in the other 90. Just a side note. I wasn't planning on getting into that part. But um, we'll, we'll throw it out there for you. Anyway, you have to first off receive what is in others. So this is the master's, but I've received it. I've received it. it it's mine. You know, the, one of the guys I listen to in the radio, about the only guy I listen to in the radio all the time, make sure that I get the, the show all the time, is Rush Limbaugh. He's the only one I listen to all the time. If you don't like him, tough. <laughs> I do. I thoroughly enjoy it. I like his viewpoint on the news. If you don't like it, that's fine. But uh, you don't have to listen to him. I do. I catch every one of them. And I listen. But he has this catchphrase that he uses. How many have ever heard this? With talent on loan from God. And he says it all the time. And he actually does believe it. I've heard him actually talk about that, type, that little phrase he's got. He actually believes that what he has was given to him by God and that he is to use it. And then once he is done in this life, that talent goes back to God. And I thought, man, that is biblical. That's a biblical way of looking at it. I don't know if he's that big of a Bible student, but doggone, that's right, it's right there. What we have, we have something from God given to us, basically all known. Here it is. Now do with it. While you're here in the earth, and at the end, we, we bring it back to him. 
It's, it's his again. I love that little, little phrase. Every time I hear that phrase, it makes me think of this, this uh, area of scripture. So I gotta receive what is in others. I have to understand my commission. When you receive something from another person, you must understand what have I been commissioned to do with that thing. If God has given you something, what has He commissioned you to do with what He gave you? It is your job to understand what that commission is. If you have a talent, ability, something that God has given you, and you do not know what you are to do with it, whose fault is it? Now, most people, in their prayer time, blame it on God. But when you get out of here in front of other people, they'll say, well, it's my fault. But in reality, we believe it's God. God ought to make it known to me. No, I need to find out. If somebody were to come up and to give you something, wouldn't you then ask, what do you want me to do with it? If they're not giving it to you for you to keep, if they're giving it to you for to be brought back to them later on, wouldn't you ask, what do you want me to do with it? What is the purpose for which you have given this to me? If I'm going to be found faithful, if I am going to be found faithful, I need to first off receive what is another's and understand my commission. I have to understand what it is that God has said to do. Then I need to work to fulfill it. I got to take that commission that he gave me and I have to work to fulfill it. Brother Hagen, president of the school I went to, he constantly talked about his commission. Now, God is not wordy on commissions. He gave him an ability to teach and his commission is teach my people faith. Four words. Teach my people faith. So he had to make sure that he kept kept doing that. He kept teaching. He would talk about things in his life. Sometimes he would get off from that commission. Sometimes, I think one, one time he got off the preaching more than he was teaching. And God had to bring him back to it. And said, I called you to teach. Teach my people faith. I remember uh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith Moore, he got a commission from God one time too, real short. Help Brother Hagin. <laughs> That was it. Help Brother Hagin. So he, uh, that was a commission that, that lasted. I think he was, uh, from there. He was at, uh, Ramah for, uh, a, a lot of years. A lot of years he was there. And then after he left there, he went off and was doing some things in his own ministry. He wasn't at Ramah anymore. And he kind of left that commission. And God hit him up one day. He says, I never told you to stop. And he says, no, you did not. <laughs> and so he said, we were immediately on the phone with Brother Hagin. Hey, can we help? And he says, yeah, can you meet us out here in such and such a meeting? And so they met him out there. They got on the plane and, and met him out there and helped out with that meeting. Because God hadn't released them for that commission yet. You got to know what God says. God is not wordy. He is, he's, he's able to accomplish a lot in a few words. And he will say to you, here's your commission. Here's your abilities. Here's the talent I gave you with those abilities. Here's your commission. And you are to work diligently to do that. Stay with it. Here's the last one. Return it back. Whatever it is that God has given us in this area of, of uh, uh, talents is a, the phrase we have here. We're to give those things back. Our goal is to take that and increase it. Do something with it. 
So we got two that were faithful and one that was not. And after a long time, now, how many, how many times have you heard the Lord say, behold, I am coming quickly. <laughs> and he says here, after a long time. So if God sees this one as a long time, it's a long time. He said, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. So he took what was given to him and all of the increase from that and brought it to the master. It was his effort, his work, his faithfulness that caused the increase, but every bit of it he brought to the master. And it seems like he's glad about it. He's excited to bring this. Here, you gave me five. I've increased this. And now there are five more. And here are all ten. And so then we have the words. How many of you are looking forward to hearing these kind of words? These are the best words you can hear on that day. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now watch this here. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There are only two things that are repeated in this, in this, uh, commission, this, this, uh, words that he did. Only two things that are repeated. The first one is things. Many things, few things. The second one is faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. The only thing we have repeated are things and faithful. But most of our attention is on faithful, isn't it? He was faithful. He was not rewarded, according to this phrase, he was not rewarded because of his ability. He was not rewarded because of the goods. He was rewarded, why? Well done, good and faithful. Because he was a servant who was both good and faithful. He says, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, he says exactly the same thing to each one. Even though one brought in two extra and the other one brought in five extra. But he says exactly the same thing. Many times our focus is on how much we have increased the kingdom of God where it seems like the focus of the master is on the faithfulness. Yet the focus of the master is more on the faithfulness than it is the goods or the increase What should our focus be on? 
Now, I've, have you ever, ever heard some of these uh, really brainy, brainy sports people out there? And, you know, you know, they evaluate a game, whatever game might be, basketball, hockey, football, whatever it might be that they're, that they're doing. They'll evaluate it and they'll say keys to winning the game. Ever, ever, ever heard that? Keys to winning the game. If you do, they need to do this, this, this. You know, if they will say football, they need to run the ball. They need to pass the ball and so much. They need to try and throw the ball down. They'll say all these different things. But when it comes right down to it, if you want to focus on one thing that would cause one team to win and one team to lose, one thing, if you're going to focus on one thing, what would be the one thing, no matter if it's football, basketball, hockey, soccer, no matter, what is the one thing that you have to focus on? Points. Right? The team that scores the most points wins the game. Not the team who runs the ball the most. Not the team who passes the ball the most. Not the team who uh, gets the most sacks or has the ball the longest. None of that matters in the end. In the end, the only thing that matters is who scored the most points. So what you need to focus on is who scores the most points. We need to score some points if we want to win the game. So you should take this. If nothing else, take this out of this parable. If you want to focus on on that day being rewarded by the Master, if you're going to focus on one thing, it's not the goods. It's not even the increase. It's not the abilities. It simply is How faithful were you? How faithful were you? And according to this verse we looked at in the beginning, how many people are faithful? Not as many as think they are. So it's important that we understand what faithfulness is according to God. We've got to know what He says. And that I become faithful in that way. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now let's just hold that right there for a minute. Is he reaping where he has not sown? Is the master in this story reaping where he has not sown? Let's go back to the beginning of the story. Begin the story. Whose goods were they? They were the masters. What did he do with them? He gave them to the servants. What would you call that? I would call that sowing too. So in the story, he is taking what is his and sowing it into the life of others, expecting a harvest. Isn't that what sowing is? I sow some with the expectation of receiving much in return. Now remember, Jesus made up this story. It's exactly what he wants. He's basically showing you that this man does not know what he's talking about. Because right in the beginning of the story, he said he sowed. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Well, he's wrong there. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. 
See, he never took ownership of it. Never did anything with it. But his Lord answered and said to him, No, he didn't say good and faithful, did he? He said, You wicked and lazy. Now, it's not mentioned here, but how many of you would say from the context that this man would be categorized as unfaithful? The first two were faithful. I would categorize him as unfaithful, but he does not categorize him as faithful or unfaithful. He simply describes him wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy. Now, if wicked and lazy is a description of unfaithful, what would a description be then for a faithful person? Well, I just took it and flipped it opposite. opposite. I mean, if, if faith, faithful is one way, unfaithful is the other, we're going to describe one as wicked and lazy. Would it be too far-fetched to describe one who is faithful as righteous and diligent? I don't think it's far-fetched. I'm not, I'm not going to try and tell you that it's in the story, but uh, it, it certainly could be. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Now, he's not confirming this. He's basically saying, This is what you knew about me. This I'll, I'll judge you on what you knew. Now, there's people out there in the world who think God is a certain way and they're wrong. But God will judge them based on what they think God is. Now, that's that's another place in the Bible. Just because you think this and you're wrong, how faithful were you to do that? There are people who think that if I go to church, I'll get to heaven. Well, God never says that. But let's see how faithful you are. If that's what you thought, if you thought that if you would go to church, you would get to heaven, how did you do on that? (laughs) And so, see, he can judge you based on what you're you're thinking because we don't come up and measure up to that either. So he doesn't have to try and take you back to the truth that you supposedly didn't know, but you should have learned. But that's what he does. That's what he's doing here. He's not confirming what he knows. He's he's basically, I'm just using what what you say. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Now why in the world throw the bankers in here? What in the world do we want to do with the, with the bankers? I was doing some, some thought on that and perhaps the only way I can really think of a correlation with this is this when we take other people who have the similar abilities and have been given similar goods of the masters and we mentor them, are we not taking what we have and putting it in to the, basically the bankers? If you gave it to the bankers, other people are using what God gave you. Other people are using what God gave you. God wanted you to use it, but at least no, at least it's not going to waste. Somebody's out there using it. And so that's... uh That may be what we're looking at there. But anyway, let's get back to this. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will, he will, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, of course, this, 
section of Scripture very much proves that God is not a socialist. He does not take what everybody has and even it all up and just give everybody an even, even amount. He's uh, very much against that. If you have been faithful with much, then more will be given to you. If you have not been faithful, then what you have will be taken away. That's, that's what he, he did. We would be wise to follow that type of advice. So at least someone is using what the master gave. Someone is accomplishing his will. Someone is doing what he wants. So take the talent from him. Did you know God expects a return on what he entrusts us? God expects a return. He gave you goods from his kingdom based on your abilities. And he expects to receive something from it. That's one thing you cannot walk away from the story and, and, and not understand. He expects to receive. In fact, he's called them all together. Let's see what you got for me. Let's see what you did with what I gave you. And so they came to show him. Now, I didn't get to put this in your, in your outline. If you want to write any of these things down, you can. Sometimes it, it helps me. Hopefully it helps you. If I, I try and think of these things, of uh, what are the words that people use who are faithful? What are the words that people use that are unfaithful? Well, I focus here mostly on th- today on unfaithful people. Words that unfaithful people use. Here's some of them. I don't think I need to do blank. Have you been at work and you've heard people say, I don't think... I need to do. And you're thinking, yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) That's what you're, that's in your job description. That's what you need to do. I don't think I need to do. What are we doing? I'm being unfaithful. I'm just giving excuses for it. I don't think I need. You see, the problem comes in is that you're not supposed to be thinking. You're supposed to be doing what the master wants. That's what we're supposed to do. Have anybody ever said this about a boss? That's not fair that he or she would require that of me. That's not fair. They shouldn't ask that of me. Those are words of unfaithful people. Especially since if you thought it was unfair, you should have said something when you got the assignment. You should have said something when you were talking to the boss. Not talking to someone else later on. That's unfaithful. Yeah, but this one. I feel that boss leader is missing God on this. I feel that so-and-so is missing God on this. You see, we don't say that to the person we think is missing God. We say it to somebody else. And what we're doing is, I'm letting God speak to me about what someone else is supposed to be doing. You open up that door, it will be filled. The enemy will come along. How about this one? I should be entrusted with more. I should be promoted. I should be... Got the I should be's in there. You see, because the enemy came on in and he was telling you, you should be, you should have... Yeah, I should. Oh, I should. Mm Mm-hmm. How about this one? I don't know what I should do. Anybody ever said, said that? You had a, had a job? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. 
You see, that's just an excuse for being unfaithful. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, what should you do? Go and ask. I mean, we learned that when we were kids, didn't we? Didn't we come home from school sometime and we brought homework and mom or dad would say, what are you supposed to do with this? I don't know. Well, did you ask someone? No. <laughs> Why didn't you ask someone what you're supposed to do? <laughs> and we had to sit there and try and figure out what it is. And, you know, we hoped to get to school the next day. I didn't do it because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. That didn't work there either, does it? Because the teacher said, well, I explained it to you. If you don't know an assignment, ask me before you leave. I don't know what I should do. Well, then find out. We would, uh, we would do this when I was, uh, one of the churches I was at, I was in an assistant pastor role. And one of the things we would do, I mean, we had a lot of decisions that had to be made each, each week and a lot of things had to be done. And, um, I was fresh out of school, very energetic. Um, very enthusiastic. And sometimes people were getting the idea that I was doing things that were contrary to the old, almost ready to retire pastor. And so this was opening the door for this kind of thing to be going on. And so what I did to counteract that is uh, I scheduled a, a meeting with the pastor. I said, every Monday morning, you and I will meet at such and such a time. And so every morning at nine o'clock or whatever time it was, we would have a meeting. And uh, he didn't have to bring anything to the meeting at all, but he could if he wanted to. And what would happen in that meeting is I would have a list of things and I would just go over them. All right, we have this. What do you want to do with that? And he had a couple of choices on the, on the matter. He could say, I want you to do this. And then I would go out there and I would do that. And he would say, I'm not sure. What do you think we should do? And then I would have a couple of suggestions for him. But I wouldn't offer the suggestions until he asked me for them. If he had a thing that he wanted to do, then we would go out there and do it. Otherwise, he would bring them, bring them in, or I would, I would say, well, we could do this. And he would say, all right, I like that idea. Let's go out there and do that. And then I would be commissioned to go out there and to do those things. I had his will on the matter. And so then we went out there and we, we would do that particular thing. We would take care of that that situation the way that he had wanted. So every Monday morning, nine o'clock, we were meeting and we would go over and I would, he would sit there and he would listen to all the things I had in the list. Sometimes we were done the list in 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes it'd be an hour until we got through everything on the list. And I would ask him, this is what's going on. What do you want to do? And I would go out from there and I would do that. So if anyone wanted to say, you were, you were running roughshod over the pastor, I said, no, I asked him and this is what he said he wanted to do. And the pastor knew about it because he said, no, no, he asked me that and this is what he's going to go out there and do. And so we didn't have any of that, that opportunity there anymore and that wouldn't be, be going on. But you know, that could, that could happen. That could go on. And, um, you know, I've, I'd like to say I was super faithful. I'm sure that there, there, there's a lot I still had to learn. I've sometimes sat back and, and thought, well, all right, I can think sometimes when I was faithful, but how many times had I done something and I wasn't quite faithful on it? And um, you'd like to make sure that you eliminate those. But we have, we've had situations here in, in this church where, where things didn't quite go the way that they should. I think uh, one of the most outstanding ones, and I'll try and say this in such a way that most people and most people who are here weren't even around when this was going on, but you know, there's always a few that, uh, been around here long enough to, to know that. But there was a particular area of ministry, and I had met with the person who was head of this, of this particular ministry, 
and had told them so-and-so is not to become involved in this ministry. I said their name. I said, do not involve this person in this ministry. And lo and behold, it was, uh, I don't know, weeks, month, a month or so later, uh, this person is involved in that ministry. I find about, out about it Sunday morning before church that this is going on. Now, they didn't fulfill the, the, the commission there, did they? And so we had to, and I don't like to deal with stuff like this, but this one was up at a high enough level that I actually dealt with that on the Sunday morning before church. Pulled them into a private spot and asked them, why is so-and-so in this ministry? And they tried to go about that. Well, they were, uh, they were unclear. I said, no, you are not unclear. I said it very clearly to you. This person is not to be involved in this ministry. It caused a, a, a big problem in those things. This is what we have to do with God. What does God want us to do? Now, here's where we can get into problem with faithfulness. Everybody... How many, you go ahead and raise your hands. How many of you believe that you hear from God? All right, how many believe you do not hear from God? Never have heard from God. <laughs> All right. Most people raise their hand on that. Few people do not. Um, it's actually a harder thing to raise your hand on that and say that I, I have not heard, heard from God on that. But it's, it's, a, it's a okay to admit that. But here's the problem that we have in the, in the body of Christ. There are some people in the Word of God who answer to God. Can you think of them? How many think of Moses? Moses answers directly to God, doesn't he? I think of Elisha. I think of Elijah. They answered directly to God. When Joshua took over for Moses, who did he answer to? He answered to God. Who did David answer to? He answered to God. There are a number of people in the Word of God who answered directly to God. I would put Paul in that category. I would put John in that category. That their life had, had, they had grown and matured and they had shown themselves faithful in things and that this was put upon them. It was not put upon them right off the bat. Now, how do you get to a place where God puts a ministry on you in which you answer directly to God? How do you get to that place? The Word of God tells you. The Word of God tells you exactly how to become to that place. He says, in the Word of God, I'm going to paraphrase this. If you are faithful with what is another person's, or another man's, as it says. If you are faithful, then you prove yourself faithful. But he basically says in that scripture, if you are not faithful with what is another's, how can God entrust you with what is your own? Now, here's where the enemy comes into problem and why most people by God's standards, are not faithful. Because when we serve God, we serve somebody. When I was an assistant pastor, I served the pastor. I did not answer directly to God. I answered to the pastor. Whether he missed it or didn't miss it, I answered to him. If he said, don't teach on that topic, I don't teach on that topic. I didn't come back in there and say, well, God moved on me to teach on this. Uh Uh-uh. That's being unfaithful. Because I have to be faithful with what is someone else's before God would entrust to me what is my own. 
That's what we have to do. But most Christians who serve in a capacity somehow in a church or in a ministry and they, they have the commission. I have the will of the person whose ministry God has entrusted this with. I know what they want me to do. But I feel like God is leading me another way. And they go after that particular way. That's unfaithful. And what kind of reward will you get? You see, if I cannot be faithful with what is someone else's, God cannot entrust to me what is my own. That's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to be faithful when you feel like someone is missing it. But here's the thing, folks. If God has given a ministry to Moses... Does God then have to speak to Moses and tell him the instructions and then also go to Aaron and Miriam and tell them the instructions and then also go to Joshua and tell him the same instructions? How does God do it? He gives the instructions to Moses. That's what he does. Now let me take you to a, a, a point. Do you remember when David, we were just talking about this, the only reason it came up uh, in my, probably in my mind right now. Remember when David gave a call for a census in Israel and it displeased God and a, a plague came upon, upon them. His, uh, his general said to him, now hold on a minute, guy. We don't need to be doing this. We don't need to be having a, a census. Uh, we shouldn't be doing this. But David said, no, go ahead and do it. And the guy went out there and did it. Was he being faithful? Yeah, he brought out to him, we don't need to be doing this. But David still said, go out there and do it. And so he went out there and, and did it. God didn't come down on him for the thing. He came down on David for it. It is a hard thing when I am serving in someone else's ministry to not hear things in the Spirit that I think are God that will cause me to rise up against it. And understand, the enemy loves to do this. He will sow thoughts. When I was an assistant pastor, he would, he would sow thoughts. Don't you think the pastor ought to be teaching? Don't you think the pastor ought to be ministering? Don't you think the pastor ought to be? Those thoughts would come. But you see, that's not for me to do. And so I had, I learned right back then, get those things out. Don't bring them into your head because that will mess with my faithfulness. And in the end, what am I judged for? My faithfulness. I have to stand guard on being faithful. More so than anything else. If I can learn to be faithful, I can receive a really good reward. So don't let this kind of thinking, meditating, or certainly speaking, get into your life. It will rob you of your reward. The enemy will rob you of your reward by getting you to think on these things. Meditate on these things or to speak these things. Don't do it. Don't follow after that. Don't let thoughts come up that they don't care about me. Don't, don't have that go on. 
run out of room in yours, but I wrote this in mine. If we don't learn how to be faithful directly to people we can see, how can God elevate us to a level that we answer directly to Him? i got to learn how to be faithful directly to people that I see. But many think that they answer directly to God. Many think that God will give me instruction. That's not how God is doing it. God spoke to Moses. He didn't speak to Miriam and Aaron. He spoke to Moses and Moses was to speak to them and to the people. Same thing with the rest of the people we, we brought up. God spoke to Elijah. Elijah would bring the word out to the people. God would speak to Elijah to bring the word to the king. God would speak to Jeremiah to bring the word to the people. But many think that they answer directly to God and what they feel in the Spirit as a reason to not do what is asked of them. You can receive a commission. Someone may say, will you do this? Yes, I will do it. And you go on off and you didn't get it done. And uh, sometimes we really thought this and sometimes it's just an excuse. Did you get that done? Well, I didn't feel led to do it. It is not being faithful. They really are just being faithful to what they want. And just because it doesn't seem like it's selfish does not mean that God doesn't see it that way. People can very easily fall into a selfish mode and think it is God telling me to do it this way. And those are the traps that are set that cause so many people to think they are faithful. And God says, no, you're not. Because I have been faithful to what I think ought to be done. I have been diligent to work according to what I think ought to be done. But God is not looking at that. And so that's why that verse comes out that we saw. Many people think they are good. They are faithful. But they're not. Now, there's many Christians, folks, they don't own anything of spiritual value. They should. You've you got to take ownership of it. God has given you things of spiritual value, but you've got to take ownership of it. I've got to possess that thing. We've had people in the, in the past, you've given them a ministry, you've put them in a place of ministry, and you'll hear words come out like this come out of their mouth. I just don't feel like I am a blank. Why are you saying stuff like that? When I first went to the, the first church I got out, after I got out of school, I went in there and after a number of months, they made me the youth leader. I was not called to be a youth leader. I knew from early on I was called to be a pastor, but they made me a youth leader. I never went around, never one time went around and said, I am not a youth leader. I never one time said it. I never one time went around and said, I don't feel called to being a youth leader. Everything out of my mouth was, I love being a youth leader. I love ministering to these kids. I love what I'm doing. I, I, my prayer time was caught up with things like this. Father God, I know you have called me to be a pastor. But if you change your mind and decide that I should just be a youth leader, I'm okay with it. I let them know. Cause I was, see, I took that thing and I owned it. This is mine. Came a day after a couple of years 
I had to pass that off to somebody. We mentored somebody up in the in the group. They were ready to to, to take that hand off, and I saw the the shift go on in me to to other things, and so I followed that and I handed it off, and uh, they went on and they they did some some great things in the area of of being a youth leader. But you got to take ownership of the thing. You see, they do ministry, but they don't possess it. It's not mine. I feel like I'm, the devil's got him. You're prideful if you say stuff like that. You're not prideful. I am the youth leader. Sometimes I had to use that in a, in a, in a negative way too. Because sometimes people would come in, try and butt in and do some things. And no, I am the youth leader. The pastor has made me the youth leader. That means I make the decisions that are going on in here. Not you. You are not the youth leader. Sometimes you got to do, you got to take possession of that thing, because if you don't, other people will come in and try and take those, make those decisions for you. Now some don't because their focus is on the ministry coming, not the one they're in. Don't be focused on the ministry you think is coming. Focus on the ministry that you're in. You cannot be faithful in the ministry you are in if you are focused on the ministry you see coming. I've got to focus on what I am doing right now. If I'm an usher, if I'm a greeter, if I'm a sound person, if I'm a children's worker, Sunday school teacher, whatever it might be that I am, I've got to see myself as that and embrace it. Some people say, I just haven't found anything that I'm interested in yet. That's a shame. You see, God has given you abilities. What if one of those one of those guys in the parable? What if they said, "Well, you know, I've got these five talents, but I haven't found anything that I feel that is worth investing." They sat on the sidelines. Mm-mm. No, God has given you certain abilities. Now you go into the spot, you look at what's available to be done, and you find some things to do it. And you get yourself you get yourself busy. Start taking some things on. Do you need help with that? Brother, brother Keith Moore, I didn't run into this too much. I had to go on his experience with that. But, you know, he had a bigger church. And he would talk about, uh, people would come in and they say, if you got anything in the area of pulpit ministry, let me know. <laughs> I've never had anybody come up and ask me that, so I can't go on my experience. But he would, he would have people come into church, you know, uh, well, we have some, uh, bathrooms need to be clean. We have some ushers. The positions need to be filled. No, 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 no. I don't really feel in, in that area. But if you have anything in the pulpit, I'll, I'm your man. Uh-uh. No, that's not going to happen that way. No, get yourself involved. Find yourself, find yourself busy. Just see what needs to be done. I made this note. I don't think it's in yours. Remember, we are not building our kingdom. We are building His. We are not building our kingdom. We are building His. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to look at the conduct, traits, and even the habits of faithful people. We're going to look at some people who were faithful and became unfaithful. We're going to look at some unfaithful people who became faithful. We're going to see from the Word of God the characteristics, the traits of faithful people. Because the Word of God tells us what they are. 
What I have to do is live up to what God says is a faithful person, not what I think is a faithful person. What does God say a faithful person is? And that's what I need to do. The enemy comes against this, and apparently quite effectively, if God says that few people are faithful. And we'll show you some other places in Scripture that says the same, same thing. That faithful people are few. The enemy has done a good job of getting people pulled out of the area of faithfulness. Because if he gets you out of the area of faithfulness, what happens in the end? My reward goes away. And he didn't give you this parable because he doesn't want you going for a reward. He gave you this parable because he wants you to pursue the reward. Because what we do in this kingdom determines our position in the next. It's important to God what we do here in this kingdom. If it's important to God, it ought to be important to me. So in the coming weeks, we'll be looking at areas of this. In this, if you have some questions in the area of faithfulness, uh, let me know about them. I'd love to take some of those because you ask me a question and I take them back to God. Say, God, what is it that we have uh, for an answer for this? Because His answer is the most important. Would you all stand up with me? This morning is our communion Sunday. Our ushers are coming to distribute the elements to you. Thank you. We see that in the life of Jesus, we see one who was faithful. Despite what other people thought, what other people wanted to do, even despite what his own will was. He said, not my will, but your will be done. He was the man who said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. That is faithfulness. I don't do what and say what I want to do and say. I do and say what he showed me to do and what he told me to say. Boy, that is faithfulness. If he wondered, how am I supposed to handle this? What am I supposed to do? He saw the Father do it. And he did it just that way. He's our great example of faithfulness. Might have to brush off that song, Great is thy faithfulness. Sing that. I know he's coming. I like that song. Jesus is an example of faithfulness for us as he went to the cross even to the point of it costing him, not just his life, his dignity. He was put through pain and abuse like we can't even understand. But he stayed with it because God gave him a commission. And his commission was to go to the cross and pay the price that we could not pay. And he did. God is going to give each one of us a commission. God may have already spoken his commission to you. And these are things we need to pursue. When the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents 
my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup and he said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. The enemy is always going to try and get you to do things other than what God said. He's going to try and make you feel remorse or do penance or to some way make up for your sin. But that's not what we're here to do. We're here to receive the blood of Jesus Christ as wiping out our sin and to move on and be guilt-free. As we drink together, let's remember the work of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Brother Victor. morning everybody I'm so happy to have us all in church today I've been the first Sunday of um, 2019 um, I'm sure we are blessed I'm sure God has spoken to us in multiples of ways and we are trusting him that he will also give us the grace to put to work the things he has committed to us amen um, Paul reminded us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some of the gifts that God has given to us by His Spirit. Verse 6, there are diversities of operations, or verse 5, there are different, let me go up again. There are diff, diversities of gifts, that is verse 4, but the same Spirit. And there are different diversities of administration, but the same Lord. Uh, let me go down to verse Seven, he said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit um, without. That is for the common good. To one is given the Spirit um, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. And to another, the word of faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another descending of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So we know God has given us a lot. Amen. Um, so he expects us this year um, to be faithful to him in the things he has given to us. And I'm sure nobody here will say, I don't have any gift from the Lord. So God wants us to be faithful and as we go through that series um, for this part of the year, um, you, we look in, inward and say, what, God, how much have I come with you? What else do you want me to do from the things you have laid in me? And I'm sure he will give us grace to accomplish them. Amen. We'll quickly take um, some uh, praise report. 
Now we, we love when you share the, those testimonies, the things that God is doing to you um, in your home, in your workplaces, especially after each um, of the series we think like this in church. So we encourage us to um, turn in our praise report whenever you have one so that we can be edified by what the Lord is doing um, in your life. Uh, Miss Gladys said, um, last Sunday I had pain in my right foot and no pedal pause. Two sisters here prayed, sisters here prayed for me at, um, 7 a.m. this morning. I got up with no pain and there was, um, a pause on my foot. Amen. That is the faithfulness of our God and we rejoice for what the Lord has done for our sister. The pain is gone and there is also blood circulation now. I have one, um, for myself and my family. Uh, last month, we decided to um, be in sync with God, and I told my wife that uh, from now on, henceforth, we'll be talking as God will talk, you know, what we heard this morning, you know, and of course, you know, whenever you make a commitment to uh, walk in the way of God, the enemy will want to challenge us. So on Christmas Day, two of my kids became um, sick. One of them started vomiting for no reason, you know, so... Uh, my wife laid her hand on her, that is the little girl, and rebuked that spirit. And immediately, the vomiting stopped. You know, that was the faithfulness, that is the faithfulness of our God. And my son just started complaining, you know, body pain, belly pain, and all of that. The same Christmas day. So, my wife called me, and um, I told him, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Um, she laid hands on him, and I rebuked that spirit of pain. Um, I asked him, are you okay? Are you still feeling pain? He said, okay, now I'm feeling the pains on the hands and my back. I said, okay, I'll pray on you again. I rebuked that spirit and I asked him again, are you still feeling the pain? He said, daddy, I'm fine. God has healed me. Praise the Lord. You know, so that is the faithfulness of our God to my family. Uh, all right. We have one prayer report. Uh, prayer, uh, prayer request here. Um, Miss Tony wants us to pray for her uh, because um, she was diagnosed recently that she has ischemia of the brain and um, ischemia of the heart also. You know, that is some part of the brain um, does not have blood supply again and the heart. Uh, Miss Tony, I want to let you know that our God is faithful. Uh, the God we serve is faithful. A few days back, I was uh, watching on um, YouTube about the discovery that um, has been made that, you know, one of the telescopes that is kind of moving around the earth, you know, that whenever it takes a picture of a section of the universe, the number of stars that will be captured um, far outnumber all the the, the total number of sun by the seashore, if you put everything together on the earth. And today we sang that God knows all of these stars by their name. I mean, each one of them, he knows by their name and knows their number. That is how great our God is. So God is able to restore life to the dead cells, to the heart, to the brain. Uh, you need to believe uh, that he's able to do that. Amen. So we join our faith together with you. Um, people around, just lay your hands with her. Uh, we will pray the prayer of faith that life be restored back to the dead tissues and the dead organs of the body in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Lord, we thank you for our sister and we pray that life be restored to those dead tissues. This morning you reminded us that whose report do you believe? We believe the report of Jesus. And what Jesus has spoken is that ye are healed. He settled it before today. So therefore, Lord, our sister is healed in the name of Jesus. Life has come back to the brain and life has come back to the heart in the mighty name of Jesus. May God be praised. Amen. And then quickly, uh, this Wednesday, uh, pastor is taking on another series, um, you know, trying to find out the conversation between